welcome back to a very special edition of the regular exclusive podcast. It's our one year anniversary. Can you believe it? No, I can't. It seems like just yesterday we were talking about sharks. Yeah. Talked about way too many sharks. Yeah. We started off hot with like 30 fucking movies between the first two episodes. But hey, we've come a long way. Well, until or sorry, before we get into just random movie news and uh, things we've been watching, we just want to spend five minutes real quick just to kind of talk about this year in, you know, in a in a podcast world filled with true crime and actors rewatching their shows. Mm-hmm. A lot of those popped up. <laughs> you got two nobodies who just <laughs> love watching movies and don't really uh, don't really look at movies. Or is it the best or is it the worst? Just like this was a lot of fun. Yeah, we just kind of fit. I think we're right in the middle where we have a little bit of movie knowledge, but we're not like, you know, I wouldn't call us film snobs. Right. Yeah, we're not like we're, we're not like tours. Yeah, we're not a tours. We're not annoying. I feel like most film or movie podcasts that I listen to, people are so harsh on movies. So I feel like that's something that we've really kept going, I think, for all of our episodes is like even in movies where we did not enjoy them, I feel like we still have a positive spin on it. Maybe save for the mummy with Tom Cruise. I don't think I could put a positive spin on that if I tried. But like that's a big franchise movie that can fucking take it. And everyone hated that. So well. Renee, I'll give it to you. Uh, that episode is our worst performing episode. So you are 100% right. I thought I told it would be you. fun. I think it was kind of fun, but yeah, it wasn't the best. And so we'll leave um, making fun of movies. We'll leave that to the professionals over how at, how did this get made? They're the yeah, ones they're- who... Yeah, they've got the monopoly on that. I think we we have some fun when we don't agree on a movie or don't like it. But like, you know, also, is it that fun? To like, I mean, people were like, I don't even want to probably rewatch The Mummy for like that episode, you know, or even watch it in the first place. So I can believe that that's not a very good episode. I think you just need to trust me more. Yeah, uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe next year I'll trust you a little bit more. Oh, okay. but. <laughs> it's crazy to think that we it's been a year we started off with just you know we talk a lot about movies and people have said we should start a podcast maybe we should do it so we that's where we started and a year later we've done 48 episodes crazy we have we have over 6,000 listens wow you know it's really not that impressive if you compare to anything, but we're not in the business of. Comparing. Hey, for me, that's impressive. If one person <laughs> I thought I was like, if, as long as one person's listening, I'm pretty happy. So the fact that we have over six thousand all time, that's that's fine with me. Well, and the best part is we're still just having a lot of fun. Yeah, we haven't gotten to the point where we're like, oh, God, we got to do the podcast. <laughs> it's like, to be fair, I feel like both of us did this kind of research and shit in our own time, like in our free time. So it's like. It's been more of like a it's been for, for me, mental health wise. I think it's been good to have an outlet for all this movie shit. Oh, I completely agree. <laughs> like I was I was I was gonna mention it. Like I'm not a inherently like creative or like artistic person, but doing this has been such an outlet that I did not expect. Just yeah, creative wise and stuff. And so it's been a blast. 
Yeah, normally I feel like, you know, after work, you're like, oh, fuck, I don't want to do anything. Like, I want to just chill out and like, just lay down and do nothing. But then it's like with the podcast, like this is something I look forward to each week. So that's exciting for me. It's a challenge, but it's like, still really fun. Now I can lay down, do nothing, watch a movie, and then talk about it. That's the thing. Now I'm like, oh, I have to watch a movie tonight. <laughs> As if I haven't already watched like eight movies that day. You know, that's the thing. I'm already yeah. doing this kind of fucking research, so I might as well put it to good use. Oh <laughs> uh, Well, it's been a great year. And uh, cheers to another year. Cheers to another year. Maybe next year, maybe at some point this year, we want to release our episode zero about Wolf Creek. Maybe not ever, honestly, because it's like four hours. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if anyone has the time. And I don't I don't know if I want to go back and edit it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could. I think it's too much. We literally like that episode. I think we went through like frame by frame of the movie. I feel like yeah. we're too specific and we've learned to really just be like, you know what? We don't have to put in that much work. And I think that that's been a blessing and it's been helpful to the podcast. So you might never, ever hear it, but just know that there's a four hour extended episode zero that exists <laughs> we've come a long way yes <laughs> well let's 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 do what we started this whole podcast for and just talk about random movie shit that's going on so i mean there's a lot of movie news um the main news is uh the writers and actors strike that's going on um Main takeaway from that is we're going to be doing a lot of rewatches for. Yeah, (laughs) that'll be fun, though. We can do some older movies or movies that like, you know, maybe we want to hear in a podcast that other people haven't ever talked about. So I think we have plenty to dive into, but like, fuck the studios. That's all I got to say. Yeah, I mean, based off some of the stuff I'm hearing about, like studio executives saying like oh we're just gonna hold out until these people start losing their houses and stuff it's like this could just go on for a <laughs> these very people long are the time. fucking worst yeah they're now like oh we're gonna move movies back warner brothers is like we're gonna push everything back a year if this keeps going on and i'm like fuck you i don't care i'll wait however long to like for dune part two i mean I'll, <laughs> i'd rather have it sooner but like fuck you i'm not gonna like cave And I'm not even one of the people striking, but that's how I feel just hearing that kind of shit. So (laughs) it's really nice to see A24 being the only good studio as we pretty much already knew, I feel like. But yeah, God bless A24. Like we love them because they whether you like their movies or not, you have to give credit to having original movies and then also just like letting people be creative and weird. Yes, exactly. Which is what I'm here for. I mean, studios ruin movies more often than not. I feel like most movies that suck, there's a lot of studio interference that caused that. That's typically the thing. But I feel like A24 gives them that freedom. And it's no surprise that I that they, you know, have been given the green light to start all their productions back up because they've agreed to all the writers guild and screen actors guild uh requests and they've accepted all that said yes that's totally fine we'll do that and they're a fucking indie studio so yeah i, I mean, mean if, if you can do it the big fucking guys can do it they're just assholes yeah if if the story about x and pearl isn't already proof that they're the coolest studio out there yeah them agreeing to all the terms 
Yes. And actually paying these people what they deserve, what they're worth, especially because A24 makes a lot of money. Like they do a lot of low budget movies mm-hmm. that make returns. Like they're not doing $500 million, but the returns on them, they're yeah. making money and they are paying people properly. So I think them. that the studios need to take on the A24 model because they're all just worried about money and commercial shit and fucking like just having as many franchises and cinematic universes as possible. And it's just, that's not the thing. We don't need that. We need more creative people in charge. So, yeah, well, I mean, and, and this to be paid year, correctly, <laughs> this year is proof enough that just making a $200 million movie doesn't mean that people are going to go see it. Yeah. Not anymore. We've had more bombs th- this year of giant budget movies, I think, than any other year. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially like Indiana Jones and The Flash. Like, those are two huge movies that were probably banking on, like, obvious, like, we're definitely going to make our money back. And they didn't. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I mean, maybe other people felt the same way as me about Indiana Jones. Like, I'll see it when it's on streaming. But, like, fucking let Harrison Ford relax. He's fucking <laughs> yeah. 80 years old. He's 82 now. He was 80 when he filmed this. There's no, we shouldn't be doing this. It's like torture. Like, I just feel like this guy should just be able to fucking take a nap and I don't need to go out there right away to see it. Yeah. It's like, we don't need to spend $200 million de-aging him with CGI. Yeah. Just fucking make something different. Fuck. (laughs) Either way that. And then, yeah, like the flash, I just didn't care for. And like the clips that I've seen since it came out, I just could not give a shit. And they just announced sadly, because I love Andy Muschietti, the director, and he directed the it movies, but they just announced he's not going to be directing the new uh, Batman movie under the James Gunn DC, which he had oh. already been announced as doing, um, but that he left now due to creative differences. Or maybe that's because The Flash didn't do well. I don't know. But he's Have also they... doing a, a TV show, like a prequel series. So I think he'll that be makes... okay. Have they picked a new director for? No. It's probably just going to end up being James Gunn. James Gunn is just going to end up directing all of these movies. I mean, he might as well. He's the best, but I would love to see them bring in some other cool people. But yeah, either way, I just think people are more interested in move. I mean, Barbie and Oppenheimer are both big budget movies, and they're really like the the main event of cinema this this week and this month. Basically. Oh, yeah. I think this has just been Barbenheimer month. So, yeah, we yeah, we got to talk about Barbenheimer a little bit. We both said that we thought that Barbie was going to win, which it mm-hmm. did. It's at like 370 million worldwide. Yeah. It's um, going to make a billion for sure. It, yeah, I think it's going to be a billion. It's not that surprising because Barbie is PG-13. It's only two hours. Like Oppenheimer is kind of a tall ask. You know, it's three, three hours. Fucking hours. Hour. Plus all the like a lot of the screenings have been having issues with like the giant. I don't know if you've seen the giant like fucking reels that he has for this movie that are huge and like they've been fucking up so i'm like i would be pissed if that (laughs) happened personally but also i don't have three hours to sit in a fucking theater anymore without a pee break i can't do it (laughs) i'll watch it on streaming and i'm sure it's really great people have said both movies are great but i'm going to the theater for barbie and i already got a pink dress that i can wear so i'm excited we'll report back once we've seen them well and i think I think Barbie is a a prime example of like not a franchise. Like obviously everyone knows what Barbie is, but like it's not a franchise that's established. And yeah, now it's definitely going to be the marketing for Barbie was incredible. Yeah. Like knocked it out of the park. They destroyed it. Like, yeah. Yeah. 
but also like you have a, a director who is very very creative and it seems like they let Greta Gerwig just run with it from what well, I've heard yeah her and her husband wrote it Noah Baumbach and they're just like I think from what it sounds like it's like a critique of the patriarchy but also about how that's not right for like to put anyone in that place whether it's men or women and how yeah. difficult it is to be a woman which I think is just universal themes and it's incredible that people are saying they've cried at Barbie so you know, as happy as I am for Barbie and all the success that it's having, having, I'm a little worried that it's too much of a good thing. Because I'm a lot worried. Because, like, even before the movie came out, Mattel announced that it's developing like 40 to 45 new movies based off their toys, and I'm like, I couldn't even name ten. Mattel could even name toys. one other one besides Barbie. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. I you know are they all like? I just don't understand. I think they're. I think it's the same thing that we talked about with Air, which is like studios are learning the wrong fucking le lessons from these movies. Yeah. As like, I don't need to know how every product was invented or have a movie for every single product. That just seems like product placement. The movie, and I'm not sure. Barbie <laughs> works because they have a great talent behind it. Greta Gerwig. And Noah Baumbach, also great. And they both wrote the script. So it's like, you know, it's going to be really good. But it's like, are they going to hire a Greta Gerwig type for every fucking 45 of these movies? I doubt it. Yeah. Is is Greta Gerwig going to be the Russo brothers to the Mattel, to the Mattel cinematic universe? <laughs> Doing the uh, two Chronicle of Narnia movies for Netflix next. I'm excited for those. Yeah, she's gonna. I mean, she's just great. But like, yeah, they're not gonna have her obviously right away. So like, are they gonna be hiring auteurs basically, or like up and coming directors like her with such talent? They need to in order to make them work because I feel like that's not Barbie isn't working because it's like <laughs> we just love watching the Barbie. Like we just want to watch Barbie. It's like there's more to it, you know. I don't know if there can. Can there be another angle to all of their other toys? I don't even know what they are. So tell me I what some know. of them are. Here, I'll throw some at you. Yeah, um, so, you. I mean, the first one, not off to a good start because they already tried this movie, the uh, He-Man Masters of the Universe. Didn't yep, even know about it. Tried that. They they didn't do very well. I did like the most recent Netflix one because uh, it's Kevin, Kevin Smith. Yeah, there you is, go. Yeah, he did it. it. It was actually pretty good. Uh, Hot Wheels. I mean, that's like how, cars, the animated movies. They already have that. The question is, can it beat Fast and the Furious? I don't think it can. Definitely not if it's toys. <laughs> Definitely now, not. The this one actually has some potential because A24 is doing it. Barney. Yeah. Is it a horror movie? Because <laughs> that it, would fit. <laughs> if A24 is doing it, it's going to be at least adult. So like yeah. it says... Barney is in development with Daniel Kaluuya. Playing it, Barney? I don't know. It just says with Daniel Kaluuya. Hmm. So I'm imagining he's going to be Barney or he's going to be the person running from Barney. Yeah, because uh, it's got to be a say, horror movie. But they did say it was going to be an adult movie. Which there we go. Barney was very pivotal to me as a child. Mm -hmm, and so I will be there. Barney and Winnie the Pooh, they were my thing. Yeah, I still haven't seen Blood and Honey, but, you know, maybe I'm just not the target audience. But yeah, I, I, I don't need that. Uh, this one could be interesting. I just don't know how it would be interesting. Rock'em Sock'em Robots. 
Remember those, I don't those know the story. Yeah. Just... <laughs> I mean, I know what you're talking about the toys, but like what story is that? Oh, uh, here's another one. No clue what the story is, but they did do the uh, emoji movie. So I guess there's something. Um, mm. Uno, the card game. <laughs> Get out of here. God, <laughs> these fuckers. The studios are ruining everything. Yeah. <sighs> This one could be an interesting horror film, but unless A24 does it, it's not going to work. Uh, the Magic 8-Ball, that, that's, a, that's a Mattel product. I guess that could be a horror movie, yeah. But this is just... Jace, don't, I'll, I'll take one or two more, but these are just making me angry, so you got to... This is enough. I can't hear well, all this. I, I can't mean, believe the, these are actual movies that are coming out. I don't know if they're movies. These are just Mattel properties. And if they're oh. doing 40 movies, then yeah. it, 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 these probably are the only ones one that I can it, actually yeah. recognize. I mean, it's probably one movie per toy. So you're right. Hope. I mean, I would hope it's a couple toys per movie. Cause how are they going to do 40 of these? I mean, like, I, I don't even know. Like Thomas, the tank engine or whatever, a horror movie. One. You have to do a horror movie with that. That thing's face is terrifying. I do love the card game Skip Bow, so I don't I don't know what the movie is, but it's a yeah. good card game. Um, here's an interesting one. Uh, apparently, Mattel owns the rights to the WWE action figures, <laughs> so do, maybe they do a Barbie version of WWE oh, where it's geez. toys that become real wrestlers. Oh God, Jace, that's all right. That's enough. Mattel's going to tank the film industry. Is basically what you're telling me. And this everybody's we... just trying to have the Marvel universe. God damn you, Marvel. You <laughs> ruined it. You fucked up for everybody. Now they're just making me mad. This is angering me, Jace. Well, speaking of uh, universes, one of my favorite things is when a universe. So in this example, Star Wars. Mm -hmm. But whenever there's a universe and then like a director or a creative like breaks away from the studio they come back and they're like, I would have done it so differently. The The guy who originally was James Mangold, who's a really good filmmaker, he was supposed to do the Boba Fett movie mm. instead of the show. Oh, that would have been better, yeah. And But he was like, mine would have been a rated R spaghetti western or whatever. And whenever I see those, I'm just like, no, it wouldn't have, because you probably wouldn't have got to do the creative thing that you yeah. wanted to do. Well, like, like that's what he's saying. If it was his, in a perfect world, <laughs> yeah. but it's like, OK, yeah. So the makeup made up world that you're imagining that would never get made because the studio has so much control over that shit. It's like you just did the Indiana Jones movie and like, look, uh, look how that turned out. So like, yeah, no, you wouldn't have. You yeah, wouldn't have, have been able it. to. I love the I, I love the concept, but yeah, yeah. no studio is going to let you do that. It's very unfortunate. Another thing that actually reminds me because I, I I don't think you watched it yet, but the first trailer just dropped for the new. It's called The Exorcist Believer, I think, or it's Believers. I don't know. Is, is this the one that it's the same guys as the, it's the Halloween duo? David Gordon Green. Yep. And I think the guy who I don't know who else is. I don't know if it's Danny McBride. But I know that I, I think he actually might be part of it anyways. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I don't think it'll be terrible. I don't think the trailer was that great. But people were making it out to be like shit when they were because it was like airing with Oppenheimer when that just came out last weekend. So people were just shitting all over the trailer. Now that I saw it, I'm like, it's really not that bad. But it's just 
Do we need an exorcist requel? I don't know. I, I feel like we're just mining shit when there's a lot of other things that we could be doing. You know, it's just the franchise problem. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like I wish that they would just do a different exorcist kind of movie and just not call it the exorcist. It's yeah. Kinda like the conjuring is an yeah. exorcism movie, but again, but like, that's already... an original story. Yeah. So why don't we just do an original thing, not tie it to some existing thing? Cause now expectations are going to ruin everything. Exactly. That's the thing. They don't understand that expectations ruin how the movie will be perceived versus if it was an original concept, at least maybe it would have been interesting, which like this, I mean, for the first, probably half of the trailer, I was wondering how does this connect to the exorcist? And then I was like, Oh, okay. They're bringing in the old woman just, because it's like oh yeah i've got experience but it's like okay um i don't know i just felt weird about it versus like a horror movie that just came out and i know probably nobody knows what it is it's very limited theaters right now it's called cobweb it's in theaters lionsgate just dropped it on the same day as barbie and oppenheimer and like didn't advertise it at all until like a week before like no joke i literally just saw a trailer for this two weeks ago and now it's out and it has Anthony Starr, who we fucking love as Homelander on the boys love and Lizzie Kaplan, who I fucking love. She's incredible, especially in horror roles. I think she's so creep. They both play like these creepy ass parents and the kid is hearing this weird tapping on the walls. And is it the parents? Are they hiding something in the basement? I've heard it's like barbarian in the black phone. It and it's gotten good reviews. What the fuck is the studios thinking? This is a or not universal, but I think they might be distributing it. So they're fucking it up. It's so weird how it's pretty much a known thing that like horror movies are the best return on on investment. And somehow all the other studios haven't really figured it out. And so really like Blumhouse and A24 have just cornered the market and like Blumhouse, I would say half of their movies at best are actually good, but they make money on probably all of them regardless they understand how to fucking like market them and release them and it's like why the fuck are you draw like this is the first horror movie of the year that's not going to make much money and not even make money back after like uh, this had a small budget and the director i haven't seen this show but he's the same director who did the the um i think it's a one season show on netflix called marianne or marionette or something i don't Uh, actually remember what it's called but he's a french director Apparently, he's really great. Like, people really responded to that show. But it's like this movie is just getting dumped. And I'm like, this could have, like, really done well in theaters. And it's gotten great reviews. I just don't understand why it's so hard to figure out, hey, this could maybe be released in Halloween. Like, I saw a clip. And they're, like, talking about going out on trick-or-treating and, like, doing pumpkins. I'm like, why are you releasing this in the middle of July? (laughs) This doesn't make any sense. And if they are doing that right now, then just drop it on streaming like that would fucking kill right now. Because as we all know, us horror fans, we're just in a fucking drought at the moment. We need new horror shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I heard I had never heard of that movie until this YouTuber I watch mentioned. It, and he said the exact same thing as you. It's like the studio just didn't market it. Just yeah. dropped it on the floor. And it's He's all, like it's, it's actually pretty good. It's probably gonna be in my top five horror movies this year. <laughs> which is just crazy. And I'm like, there and it's like even like I live in Vegas and I'm like, I looked it up and it's like the closest showing is 30 minutes away on the strip, which like fuck that. I'm not going to the strip just to watch <laughs> this movie. I want to see it, but I, from how they're releasing it and this whole thing, I I'm sure it'll be on streaming next week, honestly. <laughs> so 
I mean, I would have. I would have gone and seen it if their entire marketing was just an image of Anthony Anthony Starr. Like, yeah. that's all I need to go see a movie of him. They've only released like two clips and I feel like he's in both of them. And he's like, it's like he's got the Homelander energy where he's like, you're like, oh my God, is he going to kill this kid? Like, he's like mad. He's angry, dad. He's scary, dad. It felt kind of like he was given like Jack Torrance, the Shining kind of shit, like some Jack Nicholson vibes. It was good. I mean, if the entire marketing for Oppenheimer can just be Killian Murphy staring, di- you know, distraught at the camera, then like just throw Effective. Anthony Starr in there. Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You got him and Lizzie Kaplan. This is like barely even talked about. Just bullshit. Ugh, <laughs> fuck the studios. I think is what we can all say as like a sum up of all this movie news is that the studios aren't learning the right things. They're fucking up the cinema. But thank God that we still have some good movies like Barbie and Oppenheimer. Well, and thank God that A24 is going to be taking yes. care of us. We we might have to just dedicate like the first six months of next year to just A24 movies. Happy to do it. <laughs> I would be so happy to do that. All right. Let's let's talk about just some random things that we've been watching lately. All right. Well, we're going to throw it back. Do a little segment that we used to do every week, which took way too long for an intro that we called "What are we watching?" Just r- random, random shit that we're watching outside of our main movies that we talk about. We've got a lot outside of the movies that we watch every week, surprisingly. So yeah, yeah. I re- I remember when we were doing this at the beginning of every episode. This was like when our intros were like thirty minutes long, and then I we're watched like, we a got- lot of shit every week. I had to. I was <laughs> like, "Sorry, Jace, I need to really cut this list down." <laughs> so, yeah, what horror movie are you watching this week? There's always a bunch in rotation. <laughs> well, I watched a movie recently, mainly because since last year when Everything Everywhere All at Once came out. We then got just like a kind of a slew of multiverse movies. We got mm-hmm. like Doctor Strange. We've we've gotten both of the Spider-Verse movies. Mm-hmm. And a movie popped up and we talked about it a long time ago, but I rewatched it, The One. It's Jet Li. Mm, that one Jason we talked Statham. about, yeah. And like it's it's a nineties action movie. I think it came out not long after or I think it's two thousand, but it came out not long after the Matrix. So it's obviously mm-hmm. influenced by the Matrix. At its core, it's just a Jet Li martial arts movie with sci-fi elements. And it's awesome. Hey, but the I thing that I the thing that I wanted to say about it is it's an OG multiverse movie. Mm-hmm. And I think before it was cool. Wait, because this movie's probably not even really cool. I've never heard anyone talk about it other than me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've never I, heard anyone mention it, but I love that you know it and now have mentioned I, it twice. Yes, I think it has maybe like the best plot for a multiverse action movie. What is it the, again? It's the multiverse versions of yourselves. You have one version that is hunting down and killing all of the other versions of himself. Because when he kills them, the power gets distributed to the remaining ones. Mm, Yeah. And so if you become the one, if you kill all other versions of yourself and you have all the power, then you essentially theoretically become a god. I feel like that's where they got the the idea for the character of Kang. Or maybe he was already invented (laughs) and this movie is kind of based off that. But it kind of seems like that guy, the Kang the Conqueror. But I'm like, just uh, you. Ha- that's such a great 
plot of just like you have yeah. this person hunting Simple. down versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. And then the the climax is that as this one Jet Li is killing all the other Jet Lees, you have this second Jet Li that's kind of like a pacifist. So it's like two sides of the coin, good versus evil. He's also getting stronger. Yeah, exactly. And then they have a final face off. It is yeah. awesome. <laughs> that's cool. That does sound like a good movie. And I, I enjoy, you know, I've been watching a lot of older movies too, because I find that I still, especially 80s movies, 80s and 90s, I find are like my real jam, especially for creature features. I don't know if you've like explored, but obviously I think we've, we'll, we'll do an episode on it eventually. But the thing is like probably one of my favorite movies of all time. I think it's one of the best, but that's from 82. I've been watching a few others and there's one that I really want to tell you about. Okay. I watched this last night and I only watched it because of the name and because the description of the movie like explains what the name is. And I think that's all you need to know. It's from yeah. 1984 and it's it's called Chud. And it stands for <laughs> Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground Dwellers. <laughs> yeah. Is this a Cronenberg movie? No, but it kind of sounds like it. It's- <laughs> really it's a really fun silly movie from the 80s it's got decent like practical effects it's also got john goodman in his first ever starring role as like a cop just like a random cop and he has a couple lines it's it's pretty funny but um yeah it's like about uh the government dumping like a bunch of like toxic chemicals and shit in the sewers and like turning the homeless people who live there into can into the chuds who then (laughs) kill all the other homeless people and then like have to come up to the streets and start like pulling people into sewers and shit. It's great. (laughs) It's like totally like, I feel like, you know, alien, the thing like that just became a big thing of like, let's do a practical effects, like crazy, like fucking horror movie. It's they're never going to reach the same quality of like characters and story as like alien and the thing. But you know, we're not going to hold them against them. Chud was very, very fun. I'm, I'm going to start using the term chud just as a general insult. I like stop. I being love a, it. Stop being a fucking chud. Stop being a fucking chud. <laughs> that, that sound that fits perfectly. I love the fact it. That they like say it seriously in the movie is great. I mean, it's a funny movie, too. But uh, there's another one that I watched that fits the same vibe called The Relic. And it's from like mid 90s, I think. Um, and it has Tom Sizemore in it, who's just really weird in all the movies that I've ever seen him. He's just, a, and he's also an asshole in real life, but <laughs> um, it's about like a museum that gets like shipped this like package. And it's like, basically there's this creature there and it's like this ancient God from this place that one of their like anthropologists went. And it's like a creature that's like combination of like a lizard and a lion and a horse and a spider. It was very weird. And he like changes and evolves as he eats people, but he's like, <laughs> got like a spider face which was really what threw me off i was like i thought it'd be the body and the legs but like <laughs> spider face and he's just pincering off fucking heads it's crazy is this a found footage horror no not at all it is a full-blown 90s like it's kind of like a deep blue sea but like it's practical effects instead of cgi there's a couple <laughs> scenes of really bad cgi but most of it's practical and it's really fun. I found it when I was looking for like dinosaur adjacent movies because this thing becomes like more reptilian as the movie goes. <laughs> but it, I mean, it never loses the spider head and the fucking like furry body. So I don't really know how that works. Either way, definitely recommend 
that one as well. I've, I'm a big fan of creature features. I think, you know, low expectations. They're always fun. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, a, uh, a thing that has been very prevalent in, uh, in our household <clears throat> recently is um, the show Suits came up on Netflix. Yep. It keeps fucking recommending it for me. And I'm like, stop. I'm not going to watch it. I'm sure it's great, but I, I don't need a new show yeah. right now. It is recommended all over. Like Netflix recommends it more than its own original things, which so Netflix, get it together. The algorithm is ruling that it, company. It so. makes me it makes me wonder if Netflix is like going to buy the rights and then bring the show back or something. I mean, I, I love the guy from uh, from because I said so. I mean, yep. he's, he's the reason I bought a fedora in high school. But. I remember <laughs> that was that's an important movie. We should do an episode on it eventually. But I agree. That's actually like I watched like I've watched a couple of episodes of it and i know that like megan markle got her start on that show so like mm -hmm. i've seen some stuff but i just the only show i'm watching right now is the righteous gemstones and that's just because i enjoy a really good laugh every week and it is one of the funniest shows i've ever seen uh the wife she she said it perfectly when we started watching suits because we never watched it you know in you know 2000 or whatever yeah but she describes it perfectly we were we watched like a couple of episodes into it, and she's like, "This is House with lawyers." Yep. Like, it, and it's exactly right. Like, it's just all these characters, funny banter, funny banter, plot line, plot line. Then the genius character, yeah, because in Suits, his genius character is he's got the photographic memory. Yeah, he has that moment that that light bulb moment from random conversation and then they solve the case or whatever. It's basically like, like that. Yeah. And every episode's like a case. It's like that. It's like the same thing that like medical dramas all started doing in house did, which house is basically Sherlock Holmes, but with doctors. So it's like, <laughs> it's all just basically Sherlock Holmes at the <laughs> yeah. end of the day. But I'm like, Hey, that's a great fucking like setup and like characters and all that stuff. We obviously people respond to it. So like, I get it. There's gotta be, a billion versions you can do of it. And at least that's a little bit more original than fucking making Mattel toys into a movie. So I'm okay with that. All those shows require one genius. You know, that's, yeah, that's, all that's you the need. thing. Two and then everything annoying. revolves around it. You can't have two. It's got to be one there that's like the everyman that's actually relatable. Because you're like, if it's just Sherlock, you're like, he's an asshole. <laughs> he might be smart, but he's a total dick. And, th and then the good doctor took it a little too Fuck far. Fuck the good doctor. I hate that show. I'm so glad that the rest of the world is finally like shitting all over that show. They haven't really been doing it. It was like a couple, you know, a month ago or whatever, but I'll see it occasionally still pop up and I love to shit on that show. Oh, my. So as you know, I love to watch The Bachelor. Me and the wife watch yes, The Bachelor. I know. And my favorite point of The Bachelor every single week is after the show is done and it starts the episode of the good doctor because sarah loses her mind that was me when i was watching that's what, one of the reasons i stopped watching the bachelor and the bachelorette because i just couldn't fucking take it at the end i was like i have to mute it as soon as i saw it coming i was like as soon as that credit goes i'm like fucking mute switch channel i can't even see him in that movie and i used to love freddie highmore i thought he was great i liked him on bates motel charlie and the chocolate mm. factory fucking finding neverland great Oh, what the I, fuck happened to that poor kid? Why is he doing this still? Speaking of him, um, just like a couple nights ago, rewatched Seven Days in Hell, the Andy Samberg uh, 
comedy, sports comedy. Oh yeah. And then um tour to pharmacy. And he is one of the cyclists in that. And he's hilarious. He's so good. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, what the hell happened to this poor guy? I don't understand. It's like, can he just not quit? Did someone have, like, dirt on him? I don't know. But I, I wish that he could get out of this. But I don't know if there's any recovering from the good doctor. I don't even want to talk about it uh, anymore. I'm getting money, angry. So he's, he's good. I'm sure he's fine. But, uh, you know, speaking of, like, this is totally just an off topic. I just need to change the subject. I just finally watched The Little Mermaid. <laughs> live action uh, yeah. and it was uh, incredible yeah. it was just so good jace so you've been you've been re-watching the 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 live action so is this ranking high up for you yeah really high i think this might be my favorite because i'll tell you why they made really good changes to the original story to make it better than like there was just some little things before that like you know could have been handled better make it seem mm -hmm. like our ariel's not just like the you know damsel in distress yeah. who like gives up everything for a man um it's a lot better that way also they made the prince eric character which was like just mr nobody in the original they gave him an actual character and like made him like the human rel like equivalent of ariel which was really great they gave him his own song and i thought he was like a really like really good i liked the actor who played him i thought the chemistry was great in general, just the movie is a blast. It's very colorful compared to the other live actions and a lot of great upgrades. The animals weren't horrifying. I thought the crab Sebastian was hilarious and adorable. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know what people are freaking out about, but but that's like the last franchise shit I really want to talk to you about. I think we should talk about some of the other movies that we recommended to each other. Okay, so I think we should start with a movie that you recommended to me. And that you've been recommending for a while. I've mentioned on the pod before. Yes. Called Upgrade. Yes. From oh 2018, my... right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Starring Logan Marshall Green, who you know I love from The Invitation. And yes. directed and written by Lee Winnell, who is just like one of my personal heroes. And who like wrote the first Saws, worked with James Wan, did The Invisible Man. Like he's just unstoppable. Yeah, like he learned all of the low budget tricks from and then like successfully utilized those on a larger budget, but not even that much bigger. Like upgrade is like really it's like five million dollar budget, right? Yeah. So real Super quick. Low. So real quick, the the whole way that like this podcast started is me and Renee would just call each other, talk about what we're watching, and then we'd recommend things to each other. And then the craziest thing, we would actually watch the, our recommendations and then we would talk to each other again and talk about the movies that we watched exactly <laughs> it was like we were giving each other homework almost and that's like the framework for the pod so yeah you know it's like how every person in your life you're like oh yeah i'll watch that thing it's on the list we would actually watch the thing yeah. and then you know we have great do that. yeah yeah so this movie um yeah upgrade is a just a personal favorite of mine because yeah it's a five million dollar budget and like the average action movie, mm -hmm. the like we just Out watched, we just watched 65. Mm -hmm. That was a 45 million dollar budget. And there's not that much action in it. No, you, you can't compare it to like the John Wicks and stuff because those are like a hundred million dollar budget movies. But like I haven't seen any action movies that are like below 10 million dollars. It's really this low movie, for an action movie and a sci-fi movie, right? Yeah, and 
so this is a five million dollar budget. This does not feel like a five million dollar budget. Like, I was impressed with like the CGI stuff that they did. You can tell that they like really spent a lot of the money on those parts, and they're very far and few between. But when they pop up, it's like incredible CGI. I was like, wow. And then the like a lot of it is like practical tricks and like the way that they shoot the fight scenes that's super cool and a lot of that is like the camera like it's not just the actor moving but it's the camera moving and like it's really effective really exciting and really incredible action sequences i was just like having such a ball this whole time and i was surprised with how funny the movie was because i felt like from the beginning like if you don't know what this movie's about it's set in the near future like technology is like obviously we already use technology a lot but it's like even more so and Gray, the main character, is like one of the old school people who refuses to use technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, his life is turned upside down because it starts with like his wife being murdered and him being paralyzed from the neck down. Yeah. And I'm like, OK, so this isn't going to be like a fun haha <laughs> movie. Right. And so then he gets a hope for revenge with an experimental computer chip implant that allows him to walk and, you know, get back his life. But also has like an AI implanted in him named STEM. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it actually had a lot of like, like I just, I, we were just talking about how this movie was like compared a lot to Venom when it came out, which like I didn't know that before I saw this. After having seen it, yes, very much so. The way that he converses with the thing in his head very much felt like Tom Hardy mm-hmm. and Venom, you know? Um, but I loved that aspect of it. And it was really, really funny. Like Logan Marshall Green was hilarious, especially the fight sequences, because it's not him controlling it. I love yeah. the fact that his face is reacting to like his body doing all this cool shit. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, he's like, what the fuck? Like, It's just hilarious the way that he's reacting. The first fight scene is like one of the funniest things I've ever seen, because like he has no clue what's going on and like this is essentially if like Siri was plugged into your brain. Yeah. And, like, which is terrifying, but also hilarious. Yeah, like he's getting attacked. And then the, the AI is like, I can help you. I just need permission. And he's like, permission granted. And then the, <laughs> the AI just takes over and starts destroying this guy. Incredible. And Logan Marshall Green's like face. He's like screaming at the horror that he's witnessing because he's just like destroying the, this guy. He's like, oh my God. Yeah, like it was really hilarious. And that's like, that's something that you don't get from Venom because like he becomes Venom when he's like eating people's heads. You don't get to see Tom Hardy's reaction to that. I would love to see that, but it's like in this movie that's what was so cool is seeing like both of those at the same time it was just a really original concept i thought for like an action movie but it was also like it was super emotional at the right time mm-hmm. at all of that but it was also you know extremely fun surprisingly upbeat and incredible action sequences i just could not get him enough every time that the act like all the kills and the ways that he hurt people i was just like shit like when he fucking like took that knife and like shoved it. I mean, he was like, decapitated <laughs> that the bottom half yeah. of that guy's face. It was hilarious. <laughs> I loved it. It was really cool. And I loved the practical effects too. Yeah. Venom, Venom has more of the, like the rom-com elements, like yes. the banter between yes. the two. And this is like, he's talking to a machine. So there, mm-hmm. there is the differences in that, but like, it's really good. Also, like we won't spoil it because everyone should see this movie. Yeah. Great, great twist ending. Double twist ending. I felt like there was a twist and then I was like, oh, wow. And then I was like, oh, there's an wow. There's another twist. <laughs> it was like 
really crazy. I did not expect the ending at all. And I really enjoyed it for being surprising. Like that's so hard to surprise people these days, but you're right. We don't want to spoil that, but you should watch this movie. If you enjoy, even if you're not even into action movies, if you like sci-fi, it really fits that as well. So, and it's just fun. When, like when we watched, um, uh, 65, like I was saying, like, I want to see more horror directors Yes. Do get out of that genre, but take their skills into other genres. And this is my example of that. Like you have a horror director taking all of his skills of practical uh, effects and application and low budget (laughs) and applying it to an action movie and just nailed it. It's incredible. And obviously, we know, he can write. I mean, he's written a lot of like the Insidious movies and the Conjurings and like with, you know, James Wan and then the first Saw and then I think the second Saw. But um, I also have I just want to say how much of a crush I have on Logan Marshall Green, especially I mean, I was obsessed with him in The Invitation. It's so different. And like, it's weird that we're talking about Venom because he could be like Tom Hardy's long lost (laughs) twin. But like, he looks he looks so much different without his facial hair, but I just think he's, he did such incredible acting with his body in this movie. It was very much like, you know, that one scene in Wolf of Wall Street with Leo. It's like that yeah. for like a lot of the movie, very much like Daniel Radcliffe in <laughs> Swiss Army Man. Yeah. Or I'm like, that was like some really impressive body work because like, it was like, there's a lot of different things going on that he has to do a lot of the time. And the fact that like his body movements can like seem robotic and like they're not connected to his head was just really cool. Really yeah. well done. He's a very under, underrated actor, and put him in everything. Invi- and yeah, and the invitation is a mo- is a movie that you told me to watch. Yes, and I did, and just loved that. And he drives mm-hmm. kind of the mystery of it, and like, is this real or is it a cult or like all this? Stuff. Yeah, I was um, very happy to see him have like a lot more fun in this movie, though, because like. <laughs> he's dealing with dark shit obviously, but I was like dealing with super dark shit in the invitation. And I'm like, give this poor man a break. God, it's like, he's playing those heartbreaking characters and like the worst shit happens to him. Like after the beginning, I was really glad that there was like some humor to it. I think my favorite part of upgrade is his fight with the dude at the bar, the biker bar, like the, with all the sketchy people. And he's in there like in his fucking like wheelchair. He's (laughs) He's in the Stephen Hawking chair. He's in the Stephen Hawking chair and he's like, yeah, let's go fight. Like, I just love that energy and the vibe. And then the fact that he comes out afterwards, because like when you hear they hear him like beating the fuck out of everybody (laughs) and they're like, oh, like my mom always taught me not to pick on the disabled. (laughs) It's like (laughs) then he wheels himself out of there. It's just incredible. It's so funny and really, really just great. I loved it all around. I'm glad that you loved it uh, because that's one of the movies that I'm just like, if I if I'm scrolling and I see it, I'm like, well, I'm watching that. I'm I, watching it again. Yeah. I would definitely like I've already said something like I've been using the phrase upgraded. Like I'm like, hey, maybe they're upgraded like to Nolan <laughs> already. I'm like, what if they're just like, you know, an upgraded person? Because <laughs> I was like, well, that's like a really cool concept of like the upgraded people. I thought that was yeah. fun and a great unique thing to add it to like with the sci fi element, like the guys shooting the guns out of their arms. Like that was just mm. unique. Really cool stuff. Yeah. And if you. If you can appreciate low butter, not low, low butter, butter, low budget, like low budget, incre- butter. incredible low, low budget. Speaking of low budget and movies that you have told me to watch that I did uh, resolution and the endless. Wow. 
<laughs> yes, let's talk. Let's talk about the the wonders that come from the the Moorhead and Benson films because if you haven't heard of these directors, they're just they're directing pair, directing duo, which obviously we love and low budget is their thing and they've done now higher budget stuff but they like just released like their newest movie was another back to their roots indie like super low budget movie like two guys talking science fiction shit that's like really interesting so i i'm so excited that you finally watched these i want to know all your thoughts is that are you talking about something in the dirt yes sorry something in the dirt is their newest movie it's on hulu you should watch that as well that's next on my list Okay, so resolution, I feel like we can talk about real quick because mm -hmm. it's uh, two it's guys in a room, <laughs> extremely simple movie. When I was watching, I'm like, this is Black Snake Moan with without Samuel Jackson. <laughs> yeah, it is. Exactly. And it's like, yeah, two guys. I happen to like really I love the two actors. I think they're yeah. really, really great. I think the friend it's basically like a guy goes to his friend's house and he handcuffs him. Because the friend is living like he's like literally he's a at this, drug addict. He's a drug addict at this shithole place that he's just like squatting. So he's like, yeah. we're going to stay here for a week. I'm going to get you sober. And if you still want to do this with your life, then fine. So it's like it's, it's he's he's doing like <laughs> meth and crack. Like he's on the he's just on the verge of killing himself. And so his friend's trying to intervene. It starts with that crazy ass video of the friend doing all this crazy shit. <laughs> and the friend's like, like, this is. The friend receives a video of his friend doing all this crazy shit with guns and a dog and like blowing his hand up and like doing fucking meth all. And it's like so all over the place. And then it's like a pin location on a map. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I think I need to go help this guy. <laughs> like, If this isn't a cry for help. But you're like, it, the friend is so funny. Like, he's so fucking funny. Oh, uh, yeah. What it, so what it, what did you think of the movie? Because it is like very simple. Like you said, it is like a friend yeah. helping a friend with this. But then they start getting like, these weird photos and finding this weird shit. And it gets really like into this really kind of high concept thing that yeah. doesn't really fully flesh out until the endless, which is the follow-up movie. So I think you kind of ruined it. Not totally ruined it. Cause you told oh. me that you, you, if anyone doesn't want to know any sort of like spoilers, maybe just stop here. But yeah, like you told me like it's a time loop movie. Yeah, I and told you to watch both of these because they're time loop movies. The second one definitely makes you understand the time loop part. Um, the first one, I was kind of like watching it the same way I would watch a, a normal time loop movie, which you know I love time loop movies. I know. And, and so like I was kind of like waiting for the time loop stuff, and then it wasn't really happening until like the last third of the movie. But yeah. Slow ramp up. I'm like, okay, this is very much just like a, a character story. Like this yes. is a this is a black snake moan with a couple weird sci-fi elements to it. And like mm -hmm. as soon as I as soon as I transition from there and like kind of like let things happen, it, it it was a lot better. Um but yeah, like I really enjoyed their dynamic. I really enjoyed the motivation. Like you have this guy who who knows if they're still best friends, but they were best friends at one mm -hmm. point, and he's just trying to help him. And then as the story kind of evolves, you learn that like it is helping, but also there are selfish reasons behind it, which his wife says at the very beginning of the movie, like, this is dumb. This is selfish. Mm -hmm. um, and so like 
their dynamic is all really good. And then all the, the little sci-fi elements are really interesting. And they're very they're, confusing. They're confusing in, as yeah. fuck. They're <laughs> like, so weird. The little encounters like that they have with the French guy and like the things that they find in the like all the recordings and shit. Because this thing is like, I mean, it's just there's all these images that they find and like videos of themselves that they didn't take and all this weird shit. So there's something going on out here. There's something out in the woods. But it's interesting how everything just kind of brings you more questions until you get to the endless which like surprisingly like answers a lot of stuff yeah so let me ask you this before we jump to the endless so after watching it and then watching a youtube video kind of explaining <laughs> it um thank god for youtube um so the weird sort of like images that they receive that's kind of supposed to be us the viewer the audience like we want them to to be our horror movie. Is that is that is that right? That's really great. That's a wonderful insight. So good job on finding that right YouTube video. But yeah, it's basically like kind of similar to like Cabin in the Woods where it's like we're like the the ancient ones. We're the ones yeah. demanding the blood and the sacrifices yeah. for these movies and the setups and the the tropes. This movie is similar where it's like the audience is like kind of like this entity but maybe that's why I love these movies is I relate to this entity because this entity just wants to watch movies. It just yeah. wants people to <laughs> be in movies and like make stories for them. And I just feel like that's like the most relatable entity I've ever heard about, which I feel like yeah. entities generally are not relatable. So I was like, this guy just is like obsessed with movies, like whoever <laughs> this thing is, which you never really get a great answer, but it's like, whatever the fuck's out there that's doing this shit. It's like <laughs> the whole idea is like, it wants a good story, right? Yeah. These guys just never fail to make me think. It's incredible. Yeah. They they put really wild concepts that are very out there, but like they explain them in a really unique and cool way that like is I think like people can tap into it. They might not fully understand it, but it's like it doesn't like shut you down and go, "Oh, fuck that. I'll never get it." Like you're you want to know more. It's a it's a great movie where like an example of leaving something up to interpretation a lot and not like <laughs> you can kind of take your own own interpretation but like it means this but like you could kind of flex it like this is a movie especially the first ones like what's your interpretation of this yes it's very open-ended so then i think and the fact that like the endless came out and people didn't know until like it i guess it first started that they're like oh it's like connected to resolution which was mm -hmm. their first movie and this is where, like, all of their movies are in the same universe. It's the shitty Carl-verse. And I just am obsessed <laughs> with that. I think that's the greatest name for a cinematic shared universe. So should we chat The Endless? Because You'll I think that the... movie, may, like I told you, it makes resolution even better. It does. The, the, the thing it made me think about resolution immediately was, was resolution the first time? Mm, like, was that the first time we're seeing it? Yeah, like, was yeah. that the first loop, or have they already been in it? Yeah, because they get those videos of themselves. It, like, really puts that into perspective of, like, because, I mean, they don't even know how long they've been there. When when they pop up in the Endless, it's like, oh, yeah. Like, I just wanted to see yeah. those guys again, you know? Well, and then, like, we meet, um, is it Mike or Mike's wife? Yes. Is it Mike's, Mike? So, yeah, Mike and Chris are the guys from the from Resolution and Mike's yeah. wife is a character than this one. And she's at this other because this movie's about the like you meet the two guys from the, the like UFO. supposed the UFO death cult, which I just love. Yeah. 
And this is like, and it's played by the directors and writers. Um, and in the endless, it's like, they are at this, like, they go back to the cult that's in the same area. And the wife is there because she came looking for him. It's so sad. It's so fucked yeah. up. It's like very depressing to think about. Cause I really love those characters. And so I was very bummed to see how like they're, oh, they're still there and they're still stuck. And like, she's close, but not quite there. And she's stuck now too. That was my question is, is she stuck because like they see her riding away Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm assuming she's stuck because, but yeah, like, I don't know. The, the thing that I really liked about the endless is that they, they took on the challenge of explaining the entity mm-hmm. without going too far into it and where it's not a very personal story. Yeah. Because they, it's kind of like you get a little bit of like, everybody kind of has a different explanation for it and has a different yeah. way that they, relate to it or view it and they show you a lot of different time loops not just Mm -hmm. the one which has like this movie has like i think the worst case scenario for a time loop ever which is that guy in the tent who's just like getting up and getting exploded and killed every every... three seconds yeah i was like that's fucked man and like i just saw i was looking at some like stuff on reddit and like uh aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson were like, no, that guy's still there doing that. And people were like, don't tell me that. That's so fucked. Because like everybody was saying that thing still haunts me. Like that's the worst thing. I've one of the worst fates I've ever seen for someone. Well, and yeah. And the kind of implication is that every time like he's getting up and running and exploding, but like he's not killing himself. The, the monster is killing him every time. And they explain the monster killing you is the worst way to go. Like it pulls you out of your shoes. And I just felt like that uh, was a really good description. And I don't know if you know that like, like like halfway through this movie, you get like kind of a crash course that kind of explains resolution and yeah. explains everything because the cult obviously is giving like culty culty answers to the mm-hmm. guys when they come back. And it's like, oh, like they're just you just are like, okay, I, I still don't know anything from them. And then like you meet shitty Carl. And I was like, yeah. I don't know if you knew that, that was shitty Carl, who's like the one who's like he sees he finds him dead in his closet and then he like walks up behind him and scares the shit out of him. <laughs> like I just loved shitty Carl as a character and I loved his whole thing. His whole and he makes it more of like how he views it as like a horrific thing, whereas the cult views it as like a spiritual experience. Yeah, I was I was watching on Amazon and I paused it at one point and the characters is credited as shitty Carl. I'm like, yeah, ah. <laughs> yep. That's why it's the shitty Carl verse. He's mentioned in at least mo- every one of their movies. So, well, I I would imagine shitty Carl thinks it's terrible because it's happening to him like every three hours, whereas the the camp it's happening every 10 years, something like that. Or no, I, yeah. think, it's, I think it's actually like it's more often than that for them. Like, I think it happens. I don't know how often, but I feel like they still haven't aged in 10 years. So it must be happening at least every year is what I would assume. Uh, I, I feel like I heard one thing of them saying, maybe that's years. it. You've watched it more than I have. So. I have. Yeah. Again, that's the thing. They're not really specific on the length of like, that's the thing. They don't ex- over explain things. It's all very like up to interpretation, but I was curious what you thought about the directors and writers, Aaron and Justin, as like they literally play characters named Aaron and Justin, who are brothers. What did you think of like them they being were, actors? They were great. I mean, right? Like the first movie is it's focused around two friends and like mm-hmm. their friendship. This movie is focused around brothers and like mm-hmm. siblings and like 
I know the budget for the Endless was much bigger than mm-hmm. Resolution. Yeah. But I was really impressed that they kept the core of the movie to this very personal thing between mm-hmm. brothers. Yes. And also, like, for directors to also act. Also, like, they did everything. Like, they did this. Like, one of the brothers did the cinematography. The other brother, like, did the production design. Or they're not like, really brothers in real life, but oh, they sorry, play sorry, brothers the in the movie. The duo, yeah. The duo, yeah, the yeah, duo yeah. yeah. Aaron and Justin. Yeah. They're just, like, they literally do everything. They have this whole thing that they do. It's, it's like, I'm pretty sure their company's, like, making movies with their friends. And that's, like, they post all, how they do all the special effects for all their movies. And it's, like so cool how much they do it's like on a low budget it's incredible what you can do and like if you use it in just those sequences they don't overuse the cgi in any of their movies and i can say like even something in the dirt is like it's both of them starring in totally different roles from the endless but it's two guys in a room and that whole relationship plays out with the sci-fi aspects but that's what's so cool is that they never lose that through line that personal storyline that really connects you to the really out there, really hard to grasp sci-fi elements that they mm-hmm. introduce. Cause I think it's like, like I never fully can understand some of the stuff, but it doesn't bother me in a way of like tenant. Yeah. It's more like they, inception. <laughs> like they don't. Yeah. Like their their weird things that they do. Don't make you feel dumb. Yes. Like when you're watching it, you feel like the characters understand what's going on as much as you do. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of like, I don't really get it. And like, but then sometimes like just the way that they explain, like either like, I mean, especially in something in the dirt, because it's like these two guys making a documentary about this like weird paranormal thing that's happening in one apartment. And it like, it just becomes very much like really cool the way that they come up with like different like concepts of what could be happening. They explain it in such a unique way that just like it, it pulls you in without alienating you. They're just so cool. I would recommend their other movies that they did um, right after those, the resolution and endless was um, spring, which is like a creature feature, but also a romance movie. And I fucking loved that. It was so good. <laughs> And it's like really weird, but incredible. And then um, Synchronic, which is about paramedics and it has Anthony Mackie um, and it's it's on Netflix. That one's like their biggest budget movie. I think it's about like a drug, a, a synthetic drug that people are taking and it, it makes you time travel. And then people uh, die with like like they've come upon bodies with like a like a sword wound from like the 1800s. <laughs> like, what the fuck is this? And like shit like that. So it, it's pretty cool, like that they you know, they still keep a really great personal touch for movies that like, even as they get bigger, they're doing, I think, um, I don't know how many episodes, but they're doing the new season of Loki, like the first episode for sure. They're directing and writing. So I'll, I'll watch that. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. I hope Marvel doesn't try and ruin them because they're so unique. I think it's almost shocking. These guys don't do anything with a 24. Like I, I feel like they would fit a hundred percent. This seems like an a 24 kind of pairing. Yeah, they're just like really cool movies that are really like really, you know, they're simple, but they're complicated. They're really hard to describe, but they're fascinating. So I wanted to ask you, I think if I was going to recommend this to somebody, Mm -hmm. you know, let's say just a normal casual horror fan, I think I would probably recommend The Endless and then resolution almost really? like resolution here's the prequel 
Mm, you know, that's how you do it. Because resolution is, I, I could see someone watching it and thinking that it's really boring. Whereas yeah. I think the endless has a lot more stuff going on. There's a, it's a lot more engaging. The budget is obviously higher. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't do. Do you agree? Do, I do could disagree? agree with that. I think I've that's a popular thing that comes up on Reddit. There's a lot of people who have said they've watched the endless and then didn't even realize that there was another movie or like watched resolution afterwards. And they were like, Oh, it's these guys. Cool. So it's like a prequel. Like they've, you know, I think it works both ways, which is cool. Yeah. I think that you're probably right if that's your first entry, but maybe like it just a, has to this be a casual. This is a casual, a casual viewer. viewer. I yeah. have to agree that like a casual horror viewer probably would like the endless, or I would say spring would be a wonderful place to start because that has some great horror, like um, Lovecraftian shit and creature stuff, but it's like, it but still the, fits the vibe. But spring's not part of the, it is. Oh, they—they are part of the same universe. All of they're their just movies. Not, they're just not directly connected. Like they are like um, resolution and they are as in like the character Chris from Resolution, the drug addict. He's in the beginning of uh, Spring, and he's like the bartender, and like his friend is like hanging out there, and then he goes to Europe, and then his whole story is is oh like God. about it. Are you telling me we actually have a really good, compelling cinematic universe I'm telling that you, has Jace. nothing to do with superheroes? Yes. <laughs> And it's incredible because the little connections are like small, but they mentioned shitty Carl at the beginning of spring. And I was like, fuck yeah. And then they also <laughs> mentioned and like, I just rewatched something in the dirt. Cause that's the first movie I watched of theirs. their newest, but yeah, that one also has like the red weed. So it, like the, the red weed that they smoke Ooh. in every movie. That's the thing I've noticed in every single one of theirs. That's one stuff that connects it, but there's other little fun things. And I just find that, so cool that there's like indie filmmakers who have their own cinematic universe and that it's called the shitty Carl verse. <laughs> who would have thought, you know, not giant studios coming up with awesome thing, original things. Yeah. And the fact that they keep going back to their indie roots, it just, it's, it's exciting. So I, I'm so glad that you've watched it. I'm, I'm curious to hear what you think of the rest of their movies when you get to them, but I don't know. Did you watch these with Sarah? That was one thing I wanted to ask you because I feel like she would be op- she could handle these movies. They're not scary. Oh, she could handle them. Um, I don't know if she'd be interested. <laughs> I watched Resolution by myself. She was in the room, but she was on the switch during um, the endless, the endless. And a funny thing with Sarah, Sarah, um, she's very similar to me in that uh, we have no shortage of commentary on anything that we're watching. And she actually didn't say anything while she was watching whatever parts of it. And so I think she was actually a little intrigued by it, by the endless. Right. Cause, Cause it cause is like it's... her and I will watch things like she'll watch her thing and I'll make some jokes and I'll watch my thing and she'll make some jokes. There wasn't much said. And I'm like watching the movie. I'm like, I'm really into this. I'm like, are you kind of into this? Cause you're not saying this. maybe we should go back and watch some of these other movies, watch something in the dirt. She might really enjoy that. It's uh, yeah. it's very fun. And it's like, or it's, it's just very similar, but I think these movies are a great entry point for someone who's like curious about sci-fi maybe, but like not mm-hmm. wanting to go full blown, like in space, you know, these are yeah. like very weird sci-fi movies. Cause they don't seem like anything else that you've seen in, in the yeah. sci-fi realm. <laughs> These are way more sci-fi than horror. 
Yeah, and these guys didn't even know like what the, the Lovecraftian thing. They weren't even into Lovecraft. And that's the best way that most people have been able to describe their work as like cosmic horror. And I agree with that. It's very much in the same thing of, of Lovecraft, which is not just like octopus alien creatures. That's what people always think. But really what it is, is like regular people going up against things that you have no concept of. You couldn't even understand them if you tried. And that it's like this crazy shit that might even drive you mad to understand it. And I think they nail that with all their movies. So you're talking about the first movie, right? Because the second movie has an HP Lovecraft quote at the beginning. Yes, the second one. Okay. But I'm saying like when they first started, like <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. they said that they this has always been their style and that they've never like they never like full on were like, yeah, we're making Lovecraft movies. Like they like Lovecraft, but they were never like, that's what we're doing is cosmic horror. They just kind of were like, we're just doing our own thing. And then people are like, that's yeah. cosmic horror. And they're like, I guess you're right. Yeah, it is. I'm like, I yeah. just think that's funny. You know, they just have a unique flavor and I'm here for it. I'm really glad you like it. I guess it's, I'm sure it's not for everyone, but I find them to be really smart and interesting filmmakers. Yeah. yeah like the first one is obvious. Like it was obviously made as this very open ended ending. Like it wasn't necessarily going to lead to anything. It could, but it was like this ambiguous ending. And then it, got a following it was successful and they're like hey instead of uh thirty thousand dollars or whatever you made this on like we'll give you a million and then yeah. they did that and they expanded on it and i think the best way possible like it didn't get weird or corny or stupid in any way they really expanded on this idea mm -hmm. and it was it was great i loved it kind of like pulling a pearl where it's like the second movie like it's surprising how much it makes the other one even better and that's how i felt with the endless i was like I already I'm one, probably a weirdo, but I loved resolution. And so watching the endless, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to go back. Like, you could almost watch them in a time loop. Yeah. But I will say they do get out of the time loop thing. They do other interesting stuff with their movies. So there's a lot of cool stuff to explore. But I believe it. I'm I'm going to watch everything that they that they make. All right, so you recommended this movie called Final Prayer, uh, I guess, in the UK or somewhere else. It's originally titled The Borderlands. Yes, I think they titled it Final Prayer in the US because of the game The Borderlands, right? Or Borderlands, I don't know. Oh yeah, Border Borderlands game. Also yeah. maybe because the US loves, you know, priests and horror stuff around that. I mean, Final Prayer isn't a bad title because it is like a religious horror kind of, I guess would be the term, but it's also found footage. I think Final Prayer is a better title than The Borderlands. I agree because it's like, I mean, I guess that makes sense when you finally watch this movie at the very end, but it it wouldn't make sense like seeing that title and going, okay, wait, what's this about? Yeah. It would bring more questions than Final Prayer. You're like, okay, yeah, these are two guys who work for the Vatican investigating this church to see if it's like, if there's either, you know, good spiritual activity or bad spiritual activity. <laughs> and this is their final investigation final prayer you i think know. So we, we, can know, say. we know how this ends uh yeah but i would say the reason that i watched this movie was because i saw it brought up in comparison to nope a lot and i thought how could a movie about two priests investigating a church <laughs> that's found footage relate to nope in any way Two and, white priests. <laughs> yeah, two white priests. Exactly. Thank you. It has <laughs> totally the opposite setup that you would expect to go. Oh, that sounds like a Jordan Peele joint. It's like, what? So <laughs> I was like curious about it, but I kind of put it off for a while. And then I finally watched it. 
in one of my more recent like found footage kicks because I just love found footage. I'll go through. Yeah. There's an un- endless list of them. There's a whole category on Tubi. Um, <laughs> so I, there's a lot more to go. But Final Prayer is one of the ones that sticks out to me. Like as soon as I watched it, I was like, I'm going to recommend this to everybody who watches horror movies. I think it's an important movie to watch and that like most people probably haven't even heard of it. Yeah. Well, I never heard of it. And I know you love found footage. You know that I'm pretty questionable on it. Like, I think it's an easy thing to people for people to do. I get it. It's not it's very there's a lot of shit. I understand. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, I think, you know, VHS is obviously the the most well known found footage thing. I think 50 percent of the VHS stories are good, you know. Some of them are really good. Some of them are really bad. I would but, say that's kind of universal for found footage. There's like, there's a good, but I mean, because there's so much of it, there's actually a good amount that's really well done and really yeah. unique. It's when you do it well, you can do it extremely well, but there's an obvious difference. There's a lot of pretenders. Yeah. It's a low budget avenue for very creative people to do really cool things. And this movie, I think, is one of those where it does it really well. It's a very interesting movie because I so we'll just say right off the bat, if you haven't seen this movie, it's 10 years old at this point, like we're going to talk spoilers, but like the ending of this movie is pretty important. So like, if you don't, if you want to go in totally blind on the ending, then like you hop off here, but it's worth watching. I would say hundred percent. I agree with you that like, this is a movie, like I know it's been out for 10 years. We're going to talk spoilers, but if you haven't seen it and you are interested, like watch it without spoilers because it's a major WTF ending. (laughs) And like, it's just a real thing to it. Like I wish that every horror fan could experience it because it's, 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 you don't have, it doesn't happen that often. I would say, you know, there's not a lot of, yeah. like, especially found footage. I've watched a lot. I've done the research. Okay. There's, <laughs> there's not a lot that leave you with this crazy feeling afterwards, which is what the fuck? What? <laughs> yeah. I I mean, just wow. <laughs> the, the crazy thing about this movie is that, the whole movie is a it's a very character centric movie similar to you know the the resolution analyst and that you have like these two guys that are kind of on opposite ends of the spiritual spectrum in relation to their faith and in catholicism mm-hmm. yeah you have a father like a priest and then a you former, have like former father former father excuse me but he does the investigating for the vatican yeah. on these kind of instances which i thought was interesting that it's like seems like the people who are like higher up in the vatican are like we're trying to prove this wrong because we know it's not real it just felt funny that like the the tech guy who's the other character and who's like not religious but like he seems the most of like willing to believe in something and yeah, the other guys are like open. no it's fake yeah so it's so it's a really cool like reverse of that typical trope where it's like i would have expected the tech guy to be the one who doesn't believe everything especially because he's a tech guy you know and you'd think he would know everything but that's what's great is that he's like no i know how to fake shit and i don't think they're doing that it's funny that you took it that way because i took it a different way i took it as the guys who came from the church they have done these investigations so much that they assume that people are lying. 
Not yeah. that their not that their faith is in oh, question. Not that, not that their faith was in question. That's what I thought was the great part about it was that they clearly had strong, stronger faith than the tech guy, the main guy. I guess we could say their character names, but the two main guys are Deacon, who's the former priest, um, and then Gray, who's the tech guy. Um, really funny. I think Gray is hilarious. I love their whole chemistry. The friendship developing throughout is really great. A great excuse for found footage with the head cams and like yeah. the 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 Vatican wanting to record everything because shit has gone wrong before and they need to have like a visual record to know yep. the truth. I thought that was like like because that's always the thing in found footage. Like how believable is that that this person's actually filming the whole fucking thing? I feel like The Conjuring was the movie that made that like mainstream. Like this came out before The Conjuring, but I'm saying like to mainstream audiences, like them having to get actual evidence mm, of the yes. supernatural yeah yeah totally like this kind of takes this it came out to the same year level. actually as the conjuring so that's funny like the first conjuring came out 2013 as Ooh. same as this movie so that's actually funny that they both have that which i was i that's one of the things i really like about the conjuring movies and the reason i like this movie and one piece that of like that i always recommend to people is that how many i mean there's a million fucking demonic horrors out there or like paranormal ghosts religious stuff like mm -hmm. you know possession stories this movie does something totally different with that that i've never yeah. seen before and i thought that was like one of the reasons i really loved it is like there's so many and that's why like the conjuring is like they brought that investigative aspect to it mm -hmm. of like trying to figure out if it's real or not which is not something you'd expect from like these paranormal people who like believe in that shit and a medium and shit so that's why I liked Final Prayers. Like they're literally trying to investigate it as well for the Vatican. And I just thought that was a cool aspect that you don't normally see in these kind of movies. Weirdly, this movie, it, it's a movie about faith. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, it's called Final Prayers, so that makes sense. But like when you actually like, have watched the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but like not in the sense of like, oh, it's a it's a, a possession. We need the. We we need the the power of Christ compels you. Like it's not yeah. it's not it's not of that. Like, but like having grown up in in a very like Christian home and like I grew up watching like the faith the faith production movies that are oh, very yeah. very whatever. This movie actually is like a a movie like a dialogue about faith to an individual, mm -hmm. and it's not even like a Christian movie. It's like it's like a what does faith mean to you as an individual? What does what does prayer mean to you as an individual? You have a former priest, you have a, a an agnostic, essentially. Mm -hmm. and like they kind of have these very personal conversations. It's not faith ridden. It's not a preachy movie, but it's like the movie about faith. And then you have this very demonic undertone that's happening along it. And then you have the ending. Like this movie, I feel like actually has a better conversation about faith than like any faith move faith-based movie I've ever seen. Like an honest and open dialogue. This seems like it's coming from like an open-minded person. Like I was shocked this guy hasn't made a bunch of horror movies after this because it's incredible. He's done a lot of horror television. Elliot Goldner wrote and directed this. He should do more because I agree with you. It seems like he's coming from like an outside point of view that's like willing to because, I mean, you really get both sides of it in this movie, and it feels like there's no right answer as to, like, which way is right. I mean, both characters have their faults, and, like, 
sometimes it fucks fucks the other person or someone up. You know, the faith that you have might not actually save you in the end. I think that's really interesting that they don't really pull a whole thing of like, you know, most of those prayer movies or faith based movies are like preachy. They're trying to make mm-hmm. it seem a certain way when really it's not like that. What I loved about it was it felt like real people having real conversations about faith and like feel like I've had conversations about that. You know, it felt yeah. very real and very like smart, you know? Yeah. And I was interested in that outside of all the paranormal shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, yeah, you have the character of Gray who's like the cameraman. He's the agnostic. He's very naive to the the institution of, of religion. And then you have Deacon who was a father. He's wrapped up in this bad thing that happened it's like he's super jaded from the institution of religion so actually the naive person has more faith than the person who has experience in it and it's a very different perspective like i've been involved in this and it's fucked Mm -hmm. and then the other guy's like but isn't faith good like yeah isn't it supposed to make everything better it's like no this whole thing is insane. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. And like that's this movie just pulls a real like horrific look at things. And it also explained like paganism, I think, which is shocking. You would not expect paganism to be a part of a like fucking church movie. Right. Because yeah. I don't know anybody who's a fucking pagan anymore, obviously. Right. That's like folk horror kind of folklore shit. I feel like old school horror will it's deal like with pagan stuff. Shit. Yeah, and I've like that's the closest I've gotten that like maybe uh the Wicker Man, another kind of thing that's like similar, but it's like you don't really understand a lot of pagan shit. It's fucked up and scary. That's all I know. And then after this movie, I was like, oh, like the way that Gray explains it is like it kind of seems like Christians and like Catholics were kind of stupid. Like they're worshiping a thing that they can't see and that's not there. But yeah. like the pagans were worshiping like the sun and the stars and the water and like the ground, like the things that were there that they could see. And also, this is one of the only movies that hints at paganism versus like paganism is the main course. Yeah, exactly. Midsummer, it's like this entire movie is paganism. Pagan ritual, (laughs) a long fucking pagan ritual. Because that shit's been going on since they were just, everyone was a pagan. I mean, when you learn about pagan rituals and shit, it's fucked up, man. That shit is gnarly. And so this movie did not make me feel any better about pagan stuff because this like, is like this is like we're going to hint at it and then it's going to be the entirety of the ending. <laughs> yeah. And I think one reason I was just drawn to this movie, another thing like people would say that it's, you know, similar to like a Lovecraft thing where like it it deals with things that you can't understand or you can't put a label on similar like. Or that's what an, another reason I was like, oh, that sounds a lot different than any of these other church movies where they name the specific demon. And like, mm. I saw this hilarious post on Reddit and I just, I can't believe I never like thought about it this way. And it just made me laugh so hard. But it was like, does anyone else think like demonic movies where they're like terrorizing a housewife who's just trying to do her taxes? Like, this demon <laughs> should have better stuff to do with this time. This is what he's fucking doing is like terrorizing soccer moms like in suburbia. And I'm like, you're right. Like, I get it for like a regular ghost who's like, I'm stuck in this house, but it's yeah. like a fucking demon. Like, you should be planning your takeover of the world. Like, what are you doing just fucking with a family? Is this guy like, ah, it's just fucking, it's a Tuesday. I don't know what else to do. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Gotta pass the time somehow. But it makes sense. And it's so funny because there's so many of those movies like paranormal activity is based on that. And like, yeah, sure, there's this whole thing with the heritage and getting a son. But like that doesn't go anywhere. And it's really still just a demon terrorizing just normal average people in suburbia. It's just weird. 
It doesn't make sense. <laughs> I, f- I feel like you and I are like the perfect people to get haunted because we'd be like, hey, before we like keep going with this, can you give me your opinion on these haunting movies? Like, how yeah. accurate is this? Like, we just end up just chilling with the demon. <laughs> yeah, that's why I liked that Netflix movie, We Have a Ghost with David Harbour, because like the kid, when he like shows up in the house, he like tries to scare the kid and the kid's like, Hey, wait, don't go away. Let me talk to you. Like, what's it? What are what's going on? What is this? Like, and I was like, that's how I would be. I feel like I'd be like, holy fucking shit. This is a ghost. Cool. Like, I'd have so many questions. What's your favorite horror movie? (laughs) All right. So the ending. Yeah. Can we talk about that to wrap this up? Yeah. So I thought I had no clue what we were building to. And I thought the ending was very jarring. And very uncomfortable. And then, you know, I get why people say it's like, nope, that one scene, everything else, nothing like, nope. It kind but, of descends, it becomes the descent almost for like the last bit. 15 minutes because they go, they find that creepy passageway that looks like almost barbarian, like the steps, yeah. your way to hell. And you're like, never go down there. And of course, they're like, yeah. oh, well, we got to go with the other priests that walk down there, supposedly. Fuck those guys. Honestly, I would have been out. Gray's like losing his mind the whole time. I felt very like seen because he's just freaking out, crying the whole time. He doesn't care. He's like, I hate this. Why are we yeah. here? Don't leave me. Like, what's going on? And they just keep going. And it just gets more and more claustrophobic. I was, I thought this movie, um, I'd have to do some research, but I think it has one of the darkest kind of like reveals of like, they built an orphanage on this place because they were feeding this thing, the babies this pagan deity that like lives in that is the earth or lives in the earth or is part of the earth. Like I'm not clear. And that's, what's horrifying about it. Like, it's like, I can't wrap my mind around whatever this is, but it's horrible. That's all I know. And yeah, there's like that. That's like the orphanage, the whole thing. And like, you see all the baby skulls and shit and you're like, Jesus. And then these guys crawl through a place that like, then it's like all wet and then they can't get back out. And then they're like in the stomach of this thing and they get killed by being dissolved and crushed with like stomach acid and like they're screaming and it's horrible. Yeah, it's horrible. It, Gray screaming and then the other guy's doing like his final prayer, which was yeah. really just unnerving and like scary in that part. Just the the juxtaposition of both of those reactions. I was just like, like I've, I rarely felt that like just fucked at the end of a horror movie i mean there's a lot yeah. of fucked up endings in horror i would say the mist probably has the closest ending to that where you're just yeah. like, gutted <laughs> for very different reasons but yes very different reasons but again where you're like these guys are like i like these guys they're making smart decisions they're they understand what's going on oh shit they fucking should have <laughs> just turned back like oh shit i mean i knew it wasn't gonna I, when they started going in that cave and kept getting closer and closer i was like this is not gonna end well and then the, di- the digestion, I was like, oh, there's how it relates to Nope. <laughs> well, and yeah. And then, you know, kind of on the the biblical parallels, it's it reminded me of like Jonah and the whale, but like a real fucked up version of it. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. The, the horror version of that story, which is already <laughs> kind of scary. I mean, there's a, like that's just something I would never want to be in the stomach of anything. So. And this is the last way I'd want to go. It's just so hopeless and so upsetting because I really love these guys. Like you really love them by the end. Yeah. And I thought they did a really good job of the pacing at which they reveal that they're like in a, 
in a stomach or something because like yeah it looks like a dirt hole and then there's like oh it's wet or like this is sticky and then, and then they like, like, like it's the, getting you tighter see the opening close and then the end like the way that they just came in like closed like a fucking like organ inside yeah. it's just like an esophagus i was like oh my god i'm so upset right now like, i was so it, distraught <laughs> It was very much like a situation where you're you're trying to understand what's going on simultaneously as the characters are. Yes. And they're just like, you're just as freaked out as them. But like, at least it's safe for you because you're not there. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, it's so fucked, man. That's like, God, I mean, every there's a lot of horror movies that I'm just going, OK, I'm adding to the list of ways I don't want to go. And that is high up there now. Nope, nope was up there, and then now this is up there. I don't know. They're both horrible, so I don't know. But either way, it's like, yeah, you're crushed in the stomach of something and burned. Like, I'm just not... That is, like, the most upsetting thing I can think of. So <laughs> this movie really nailed that, and that's what I'm looking for in a horror movie. I want them to fuck me up, you know? That needs to be, like, a a, a tag lot or, like, a tag on a search that you can do. Like, horror movies, found footage, fuck me up <laughs> yeah like i just want fuck me up as the like the, the the genre if you will and i think that's the way to go this is this is a movie that like i'm looking at the rotten tomatoes right now it's got an 82 percent fresh mm -hmm. but a 47 percent audience yeah i think you're right but this is probably not for every typical standard horror fan yeah i think the ending of this movie is very, very jarring. It it gives you breadcrumbs. It's it doesn't do any exposition. Yeah, for no. what the ending is gonna be. It's it's literally bread breadcrumbs. It's like if you don't get this, you're gonna hate it. And it's got a very like, it's got a, a, a I don't know what the right word is, but it's like it's not just a an easy ending. And so I could see why someone who's like analyzing this movie and trying to see what's going on would like it more than someone's like oh i thought this was gonna be the found footage of, of the, the conjuring. conjuring or yeah. of paranormal activity like which is already found footage that? <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's ring footage you know it is but i will say that this has like similar vibes to a lot of other found footage that i like and that i've watched and i find that that's kind of like the main thread in the ones that i really enjoy is like it could be just two characters or one character, but usually at least a one or two. And they're like figuring out something. They're up against yeah. something and they're trying to figure it out. So I have a couple of recommendations to pair with this movie that I think are very different, but I want to throw them out there because if you're a found footage horror fan, like I am, you're always looking for new shit. And these are Hit some me. that are, that are kind of out there. So after final prayer, I would suggest uh, digging up the marrow which is a strange title. I will say the final prayer also on Tubi. Same with these two movies. So digging up the marrow. So yeah, it's written and directed by Adam Green, who is a real filmmaker who made like the hatchet movies, which are just like horror movies by a horror fan. Like Kane Hodder who's like, you know, he's played Jason. He's played a bunch of horror guys. He's Victor Crowley in these movies. He's like the big villain. He's like this monster okay. guy. Anyways, they're like cult favorites. And so this guy, makes a movie that's like a mockumentary kind of thing of him receiving fan mail from this weirdo dude played by Ray Wise, who is like a fan who's, who sent him this thing and says, I have proof that of like a world where monsters live that's right next to us. 
And he's like, okay, so we're going to investigate this shit with this guy. And they like go out to the woods with him and like wait for monsters. And like, he seems like he's insane for like, like, I mean, there's Ray Wise plays insane so well. Um, And then there is some monsters and there's some really unique creature design. The artist who like made all the monsters practical the, he's like the reason they made this movie like the director met him at like a con and was like let's do a monster movie together and it's okay. just a unique concept and it's really hilarious as well so highly recommend that one as well as butterfly kisses which is another mockumentary that's like a, a filmmaker who finds footage of like these film students who made this movie about peeping tom who's like this uh it's kind of like the blair witch but there's this whole it's it's kind of it's more funny like because you're kind of like everyone's the there's a documentary crew filming this filmmaker talking about how he found this footage so it's like meta like super meta but it's really <laughs> hilarious and it's also extremely terrifying and it's like got total Blair Witch vibes and really good shit so highly recommend that one also sounds extremely like, disturbing ending sounds like such a fun time it is. It is actually because <laughs> just because the, the the director that finds the footage, it's like the documentary crew is like framing their movie as like this guy's a total jackass who made all this up. And he's faking this footage to like get fame because he's like this pathetic dude. And so it's really funny all the shit that that guy gets into. And like he just looks like such an idiot most of the movie. And then you're like, oh, this shit, it might actually be real. And it's horrifying. So it's it's fun that way. It sounds like an episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, kind of. It does have, I mean, it just, it makes me laugh a lot, but it also like has some of the most horrifying shit. So All right. it's, it's good. I would recommend it if you want to go found footage, which I always do. And also, um, we won't talk about it now, but the tunnel. The tunnel. Yes, actually, that's a perfect one to throw in. That one's harder to find on streaming because it's Australian. And yeah. I don't know why those horror movies aren't readily available because I find Australian horror is always really good. That was our, that was our, that was you and I's trade. I watched Final Prayer. You watched The Tunnel. And, and those actually go together really well, too. The yeah. Tunnel was an excellent. And there's like a link to watch it online if you need to. But the rest you can find on Tubi, our favorite streaming platform. Oh, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I uh, hope everyone enjoyed some uh, old school What Are We Watching rambling just random shit we're talking about maybe we uh, do need some structure is what we've learned throughout this podcast but you know what it was fun to just kind of fuck around and talk movies so hopefully it was entertaining for all of you and you got some good wrecks yeah and uh yeah watch those movies and then tell us that we're dumb and that these movies aren't worth talking about because you're wrong they are if, worth yeah talking if that's about. what your opinion is i don't even want to hear from you <laughs> fuck off <laughs> unsubscribe okay <laughs> well with next week being the uh, the the real one year anniversary, you know, we're just a couple days off. We're sticking with our Shark Week theme, which I mean, we have to. I think it's a yearly thing now. Did did Shark Week, Shark Week already happen, or is it happening? I, Jace, I, the podcast has taken up a lot of time. I'm not as into as on top of this <laughs> shit. All I know is that I just went on Max, and it's on there. All the content with Jason Momoa hosting. So it's 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 happening. It's it's like end of July, early August. It's just shark time. It's shark summer. Yeah. Let's celebrate it. Well, Jason Momoa, that's all I need. So we are starting off year two in tradition 
but this year only with one shark movie. Maybe a couple mentions of other ones, but yeah. I'll try to keep it just to a couple because you know me, I just know them all by heart. But we're starting one with that we didn't really talk about on our last year's episode. You're right. And uh, in the sequel is coming out the following day. We're talking about the Meg. Yeah. The Jason Statham shark action epic that we didn't know we needed, but we're glad yeah. we have it. I have to say, Jason Statham was like the perfect person for that movie. And just like after seeing the trailer for the Meg too. I'm just he's taking it and running with it going even more crazy because he pulls some crazy shit with those sharks in the first Meg so the fact that he's chancing is like I mean it's just crazy he's doing some even more <laughs> insane shit I can't wait for the sequel the first one though is really really a lot better than I thought it would be yeah so it's uh it just popped up on HBO Max or sorry Max, Max. Kill me. Yeah. The HBO There's, section of Max. That and Deep Blue Sea, baby. We might have I to revisit. I saw that too of like right Jason, time. You might. You shit on that movie last year. I think you should really rewatch it and appreciate <laughs> it for what it is. Especially having watched The Mummy. I told you. It was a bad movie that I had a good time with. Okay. Well, I personally <laughs> think it's a great movie that I had a good time with. But sure. Yeah. Whatever. Just saying it gets better with every watch. Okay. <laughs> Similar to the Meg. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe I'll have to do that. But that's it for this week. Everyone, thank you so much for the year that you've spent with us. If it's been a full year or for whatever amount of time, we love you. Thank you for being around. And we will see you next time on the regular exclusive podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe. We're out here. <laughs>